Hi, I'm April. Hi, I'm Danny. And I'm Jim, and this is Topic Lords, the only place on the internet you're going to hear topics discussed. April, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug? I'm April. I'm a park ranger. I don't have anything to plug, besides uh, Frog Fractions at all. Yeah? Yes. Any any Frog Fractions game? Yeah, although I'm particularly fond of two. Cool. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Still nobody's plugged Topic Lords yet. <laughs> Why would they? Seems redundant. It does. <laughs> I shouldn't have primed you with that prompt. <laughs> I should have waited until after. Danny, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug? Hi, I'm Danny. I uh, make documentaries about video games, and while I feel it'll be less special to Jim now, I would like to plug Topic Lords, which is oh. it's the only podcast in the world where topics are discussed. Check it out, where podcasts are available. You were going to plug it the whole time. I, who, I, well, was I? <laughs> that's that's for you to think about when you're going to sleep tonight. I'll never know. You'll never I'll know. I'll never know the truth. It's like a Christopher Nolan movie. That's right. That's right. Someone's filming you, this and they're going to play the You need to the... edit in that sound from, from that one movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Blah. Yeah. I'll just, I'll just say blah. Okay. All right. That works too. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I can use that as a the segment separation noise this episode. Yeah. I think if you play it too much, you're going to have Christopher Nolan knocking on your door. Oh, that would be fun. I could get his autograph. Yeah, I bet he'd have a really nice suit on. He always wears suits. He's one of these people that you never see not in a suit, kind of like Donald Trump, although thankfully we don't Ooh. see him very often. And he's always wearing the same suit, whereas I think at least Christopher Nolan probably has a selection of nice suits. Probably. Are we ready to start on some topics? Yeah. I'd, I'd love to. April, your topic is favorite desserts when it's hot out. So this is an old topic of mine, probably from when I was going to be on the show in the summertime and then I didn't go on the show but it's fine because it was actually pretty warm here today and like i know that some people don't want to eat sweet things when it's hot but i love to eat sweet things when it's hot and this summer i was all about the um soft serve ice cream cone just thinking about it now it just makes my mouth water a little bit (laughs) (laughs) i like the swirl of the chocolate and Mm. the vanilla together Oh, the duo. Yeah, it's just so classy, but also so messy, um, (laughs) because it's always going to drip down on your hand. But it's really fun to get also with like kids, you know, because they think that it's the best thing ever, because it is. And (laughs) they get that like chocolate face and the chocolate hands. It just feels very summer to me. When you say ice cream in this country, is that because if you say ice cream, in Ireland or like the UK, that the soft serve is the ice cream that sort of comes to mind immediately. Is that the case here? Um, no, I would say soft serve is a separate thing. What comes to mind when I say ice cream for me is like going into like an ice cream shop where they've got like the, ah. the counter with the like, you know, 50 different flavors of ice creams in buckets. And they like have the glass things that kind of slide side to side so that they can get their scoops of ice cream. Right, cup or a cone. Yeah, like in a cone. But but soft soft serve is definitely a kind of ice cream. It is, yeah. It's just softer. It's it's not the default. And it comes out of a dispenser rather than a tub. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess it depends where you are. If you're in a town and you say, I'm going to get an ice cream, then I, I suspect that the sort of scooped ice cream that you were talking about then afterwards, the sort of like 
gelato-esque type ice cream is, is probably what you get. But if you're in the seaside, if you're like at the beach and you're saying I'm getting an ice cream, that just means you're getting... Soft serve. Yeah, we don't call it that. We just call it... We, have you heard the term 99? No. Okay, so a 99 is an ice cream like one of those, like a soft serve, usually just the vanilla. You can get the chocolate ones too, but usually just the regular one, but with a chocolate flake stuck in it, which is a sort of a chocolate bar confectionery item you get in the UK and Ireland. It's kind of hard to explain. It's kind of like flaky, wispy chocolate. It's like a stick, oh. kind of like a like mm. one Twix and a, or a Kit Kat kind of looking thing. And it goes in the top. You have a chocolate bar kind of wedged into the ice cream. And it's, it used to be called 99 because it used to be 99 pence. Of course, now if you oh. buy it, it's like four euro or something. Um, <laughs> that sounds delightful. Yeah, it's a good time. The the KLF have at least one song where they refer to a 99. And I think that's probably what they were talking about. And I never knew. Is it Justified and Ancient or is it one of the other KLF songs? I don't remember. Because the fall off, I feel, is pretty... I know you guys did the the KLF on a recent episode as well. I don't know what that is. Well represented. They are. It's a, they're, they're art terrorists from the yeah. early 90s. Okay. You could call cool. them a band, but that would be underselling <laughs> their... <laughs> All right. They had some hit singles. Hmm. And then they burned a million pounds or something. Yeah. Wow. As, yeah. An, as an art piece. Jim and Jeff Gersman are the two biggest KLF fans in America, I've learned. <laughs> and also, there was a uh, Spin Doctors song. Oh, I know oh the God. Spin Doctors. Where one of the lyrics is, if I had a dollar, I might give you 99. Yeah. Uh, which I, I guess that, even though those guys are what, from New Jersey? I think they're talking about <laughs> cents. They, they de- oh, 99 cents. I think they're the- talking about being mean and frugal. So I get to keep the penny? Is that the idea? No, they're going to give you 99. They're keeping the penny. Yeah. Oh, sorry. They're being they're being generous. They're, they're being generous. Yeah. What's a, I've always wondered what Saw Doctors meant. Would you say Saw Doctors? No, spin Doctors. Spin Doctors. Oh, spin Doctors. Sorry. Spin Doctor is a, a slang for DJ. Oh, there we go. Saw Doctors is a different band as well. Sorry, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, that's a band about amputating people's limbs. Yeah, they're from Ireland. We're really having a a, a real sort of mid-Atlantic podcast time here. So <laughs> I'm into it. Fascinating there, Captain. <laughs> gonna, I'm not going to dwell on this because it was a joke to begin with. Uh, <laughs> I'm just telling you how I always interpreted it. Sure, I could be wrong. Sure. They could be talking about an ice cream. Yeah. A 99. Absolutely. That's, that's got to be it. The one time that I was in Ireland, it was winter, so I didn't get any ice cream. Yeah, whereas, for me, the desserts that I like do not change with the weather, so I would definitely have gotten a 99. Yeah, you're weird like that. You'll eat like super heavy food when it's hot, and mm-hmm. I'm just like, that's disgusting. And I'll, I'm going to have a cucumber like, and tomato salad. <laughs> I'll order a hot latte in the middle of summer. Yeah, it's disgusting. I often forget. I just, I forget sometimes. It makes me sweat just thinking about it. <laughs> when I was in Maryland, I'd go to like Starbucks in the winter and get a, get a, like a coffee, like an iced coffee. And then I'd walk outside and be like, oh no, I messed up. <laughs> like I, I, like I wasn't thinking past like. <laughs> I made a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have to go back inside and say, I, I, I fucked this up. Heat up this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you put this in the microwave for Could me? Could you heat up this, this partially iced partially milk item put in the microwave that sounds like a terrible idea i'm trying to think of like what is the the treat that i would least like to have 
in the summer, if that's the case. Like, what's a, what's a treat that, like, outside of winter? Like a molten chocolate cake. Yeah, like a chocolate fondue. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what's what's the heaviest, what's the sort of, like, you know, you need to go sleep? The wintertime dessert. I guess it's like Christmas pudding. I guess I wouldn't have a Christmas pudding. But that's bullshit. I totally would, because Christmas pudding is delicious. What is a Christmas pudding? Oh my God. So Christmas pudding is like a, it's an absolutely ridiculous dessert. It is, what's it made of? God, I wish I, so it's basically like various types of fruit, um, raisins and cherries and things like that. And then it's like glacé sort of cherries, mascherano, is that what they're called? Whatever they are. It's made with like sherry, I think. Uh, mm. there's, there's definitely an alcoholic element to it uh-huh. and then it's also there's a wet type of cake but when you make it my grandmother used to make them and you'd have to hang them like from a clothesline I don't know why <laughs> but there was there was an aspect where you'd have to you'd make it and like wrap it in like some sort of foil or in a sack or something and then you'd hang it from a clothesline and, but it was just like the most more you'd heat it up and put cream on it, like like double cream and it would just be like the most moorish like you'd have to have this dessert hours after you've had christmas dinner because there was no way it was fitting in your stomach Ooh, <laughs> i want to try that it's real good god now and now now i've just realized i can't get it i didn't know before i hadn't thought about it you can probably watch the great british baking show and learn how to make it because oh, um, i bet there's an episode where they do a christmas pudding hollywood pudding and then you can make it at home for your family if i make christmas pudding i will come up and deliver some to you Oh, that sounds amazing. Now I have an incentive. We could just plan it. We can just plan a day where we get together and just have Christmas pudding. Do you have a clothesline? <laughs> no, but we can get one. Did you hear the episode with the Yule sandwich log? Oh, no. What? Please explain. <laughs> well, you should, you should definitely go listen at some point to uh, the description, the, the guest's description of the Yule sandwich log. But <laughs> it is a dessert reading from the Topic Lord's Twitter here. Made from hard-boiled eggs, crumbled bacon, bread, avocado, pineapple, pimento cheese, shrimp, chili sauce, cranberry sauce, deviled ham, <laughs> peanut butter, and a dill pickle, all dipped in cream cheese and decorated with canned pears and maraschino cherries. <laughs> also known as the devil's sandwich. <laughs> Has anyone attempted to create this? I mean, someone must have. I mean, the guest, I guess I didn't follow up. They said they were going to make it for that Christmas. Yule sandwich. I'm dare I. I'm putting safe search off when I. <laughs> oh my god! I can't tell if this is it. That's a lot. That's too many. That's like I find that sometimes here in America, where you any type of sandwich. Once you're past like sort of. Oh yeah, go to midcenturymenu.com or, or the search result that's at midcenturymenu.com is that. That's it for sure. Oh my goodness! It's like too many. Yeah, how can your mouth deal with the? The various flavors. Like, maybe some people can. Maybe that's how, like, food critics, when they've been food critics for, like, 40 years, like, they can't... They, it's not enough for them anymore. They need to eat these, like, super complex foods. You have this early enough in your life, and that flavor is just, oh, yeah, that's the flavor of Yule Sandwich Log. Hmm. <laughs> I have a feeling Winston would just be like, yeah, no, I'm not going to eat that. Maybe if we put olives in there. That's true. He does literally love olives. He loves olives? Oh, my God. He's yeah. like... He's like the inverse of me. <laughs> he had like two two snacks today were just like little cups of olives. What a fancy lad. Like what a, <laughs> he's going to kill at like dinner parties. <laughs> Except he'll only eat olives and Fig Newtons basically. So 
but both of them with like tiny toothpicks. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. he is fancy. He does like basically like little snack platters. <laughs> like that's for breakfast. He'll get like a little uh, applesauce packet and a fig Newton and some grapes and a slice of cheese. <laughs> it's like a little charcuterie plate. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> Because he essentially just refuses to eat, like, eggs or cereal anymore. Wow. Living the dream. Yeah. You know, whatever. He's got to eat something. He just eats snacks instead of meals now. It's like me in my 20s. Yeah. <laughs> Very much a toddler. And like you in your 20s. Uh-huh. Same shape, too. <laughs> Are we ready for another topic? Yeah. Sure. Danny, your topic is the horror of almost being older than Princess Diana. Oh, my God. I feel like this is just like part of life, especially a life in which there have been so many public figures that it's there are these sort of like morbid distance markers that you cross every now and again. But I think this one might be the worst because I was <laughs> I was watching there was, you know, the new Diana movie is out or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, how old was she? When she died, because I remember the morning it happened, or the night it happened, the morning after, my mother, like, crying in the living room, like, such an odd scenario. Like, I was like, what's going on? And she told me, and she was so affected by it. And I was like, to me, like, she was this sort of ethereal figure that was on the cover of all of these weird magazines. And my my mom was a bit of a royalophile or something for a while there. But to me, she was like, you know, they she died young, they kept saying, but she had like two kids who were like kind of not grown up, but were like a little bit older. And my mom liked her and my mom and my, you know, a child's eyes, your parents are just ancient. They've been around forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, how old was she? And I was like, was she, I don't know. Maybe, was she, she was like so elegant. So I guess she could have been like a, late 40s something like that or and then i looked it up and she was 36 <laughs> oh no i'm already older than her yep me too yeah and i'm like i'm on the cusp so like obviously the tragedy of her death <laughs> is more of a sad moment and and her poor two young boys having to grow up without a parent for most of their lives but the third most tragic part of this was me realizing that I was going to be soon older than Princess Diana. And I don't know. I just, I think I was talking to my parents about they're both older than their dads were. You know what I mean? Like, you know, my grandparents died in their like 50s and early 60s because Ireland was like an emerging country like 80 years mm-hmm. ago. Right? Oh, wow. Okay. So, they, so like, they, you know, they, they all worked in like factories or had three jobs or had manual labor, you know, so they, they all had kind of rough lives. And my parents, you know, they didn't go to college or anything. They were, they were just part of a sort of a middle class creation. And then and in our generation, we went to college and did all that stuff. So like generationally, it's very different in Ireland. If you go back one, it's like going back like a hundred years every time here or something like that. And they were talking about that, that feeling of like being older than your parents and how bizarre it is. And, and I, you know, I don't really have that, but I do have being older than Princess Diana. So I have two solutions for you. Okay. One is what I do, which is you feel like you're passing somebody in a race. You feel great. You feel like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I did better than that guy. That's kind of fucked up because she was, like, murdered, wasn't she? Yeah, it was, or she was in a car accident. Car accident. Okay. Well, but the paparazzi were kind of to blame for the accident. It was kind of like a... Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. She was being chased by paparazzi. And so it was kind of an involuntary manslaughter situation. Yeah. Okay. That does put a kind of a darker spin on it. Yeah, it was... But it's not like I killed her. True. You weren't a paparazzo in in, in, <laughs> in Paris the 90s. in the 90s? No. <laughs> not in Paris in the 90s. 
I, yeah, you know, I remember when she died and I, you know, being not from the UK or, you know, Europe at all, I was just kind of confused by it. Yeah, I was watching I was watching Conan O'Brien in the middle of the night. Where you got all your news. And it cut to this like like breaking news screen with like a the it wasn't like that sound, but it was like something that reminds me of it's that. The Christopher Nolan boah, I think. Yeah, it was boah. <laughs> except the boah went on way too long. It was like thirty seconds of upcoming breaking news and i thought it was a bit i thought it was like a conan (laughs) o'brien skit this news segment introduction goes on way too long and then every channel was just princess diana for the next three days 24 7 like you couldn't watch anything else very inconvenient for you huh (laughs) yeah i'm so sorry for you jim i couldn't watch full house you seem to be sort of somewhat tuned in to the the weirdnesses of 90s UK media and, and, and pop culture. Have you ever watched the television show Brass Eye? I don't know that one. No. Okay, it's a Chris Morris who is one of a highly satirical TV show loved over there. Um, they once did a bit where they did a fake out cut to an ad break and then played a breaking news segment that was a <laughs> joke where uh, a TV presenter who was the a guy who ended up making Deal or No Deal, which I think eventually came to the states? Mm-hmm. Noel Edmonds was holed up in a in a house. Um, and had like decapitated a couple of other uh, celebrities and was throwing their heads <laughs> off a balcony. And, and it was like all the right, real graphics from Channel 4 News and everything, um, except the only f- part that was like a little bit odd was that the news presenter was a woman who had a very small sort of uh, wispy mustache. So it was <laughs> that was the only thing that made it look like it was perhaps not entirely legitimate. Hmm. And then it cut to a real ad break, but they got in so much trouble. Yeah, I, I think there's definitely some ethical considerations <laughs> there. Like, I, I don't know. I guess that's probably it's not going to cause a mass panic or anything. <laughs> but probably a bunch of people like came away with the idea that this event actually happened and. <laughs> Probably there's like two people in the world who never found out otherwise and still believe it. It's before the internet, right? So uh, before mass adoption anyway. So Right. Yeah. They even had all yeah. these like all these um reactions from other celebrities that they clearly filmed in the months preceding this. <laughs> and they were like, "Oh my god, what? Really?" Oh, the other solution that I had for you was to stop thinking of someone's age as stopping when they die. So Princess Diana is now in her 80s or whatever. And you'll never catch up. Where is she, though? In my headspace, is she... She's literally in your headspace. Oh, no. I don't like that at all. (laughs) Okay. The implications of this are terrifying. I'm haunted by the spirits of everyone who's died before me. You have lots of people in your head. It's true. You have, like, little mental models of everybody you ever think about. And that's going to be the case for as long as, like, there's going to be a last time you think of Princess Diana, and at that moment she dies in your head. Oh, my God. Yeah, all my dead relatives live in my head. Yep. Until I stop thinking about them. I had never considered this thought experiment. And what's upsetting is that now that I'm sort of doing it, uh, for some reason, I have Princess Diana doing that Russian dance, you know, when you like you fold your hands and you like kick your knees out. Oh my god! That's that's what my subconscious has decided she's doing in my head. Yeah, well, hopefully she's happy. Yeah, she seems you to imagine her as happy, and there you go. Yeah, her hips are great for a sixty-year-old or whatever. <laughs> Here, here's what you do: you you do a Twitter poll 
is Princess Diana happy in your head? And then you find out if she's happy yeah, on average. In, ev- in other people's heads. Right. If I, tw- if I tweet this now, people are going to think I'm an absolute lunatic until this podcast comes out in, a, <laughs> in apparently six weeks' time or something. And then know what? Like one person will make the connection. Right, yeah. right. And I'll just be that sick weirdo. It'll be like the Channel 4 thing where there'll be two people who forever think, except there won't be two. It'll be almost everyone except two people right, think right. that I'm, I'm just this sort of like, oh, he yeah, must have been on drugs that night. The 1% of, peop- of your followers who listen to Topic Lords they might remember and make the connection. <laughs> well, those are my, my favorite people, so. Well, good. Tweet. Here's what you say. If if you know what this poll means, you're my favorite person, and then you have the poll. <laughs> but then the only people who will know what it means would be you and I for several weeks. Well, then we could be his favorite person for, for several weeks. Several weeks, right. yeah. My poor wife and child. I know. I was just <laughs> thinking that. You can explain to them what, what's going on, and then they'll understand, too. They should have been listening. That's right. <laughs> you want to have your wife on the show at some point? Uh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I, I'm quite like, I'm not secretive about my family, but I, I, I reference them very little. And the reason originally was because of my wife's profession, oh. which makes it sound like she's some sort of like secret agent or something. It's not, <laughs> it's not that. It's for a very boring reason. But uh, yeah, they, she doesn't. Like is she just... a therapist? Or don't tell me. Don't tell me. <laughs> Don't tell me on the air. You're you're in you're in like the right sort of general realm. Yeah, it's it's basically something like that where they have to be somewhat cautious about their name being out somewhere in case people look for them, right? So yeah. that's that's a good example actually because I'm sure there are like ex patients or something like that. Right, right. So it's a yeah something like that. And then same with my daughter. I don't refer. To, I don't say her name or, or anything like that for whatever reason. I don't know why it is. I don't know. It's just like a that's it's respecting their privacy. I think that's pretty pretty good it's pretty respectable to like being exposed to the internet it's like being exposed to like poison oak (laughs) is it (laughs) i mean go on in that it has harmful side effects oh yes as well as the delightful feel of the leaves against your face (laughs) (laughs) oh your face there's nothing delightful about the leaves of poison oak against your body i definitely thought about what body part i was going to say there That was one of those things I had to learn when I came to America, that you guys have this one particular leaf that is somewhat benign looking, but will really fuck you up. Yeah, and it's different depending on where you go. It's In some places, it's poison ivy. Yeah, well, that's on the East Coast. Yeah, oh, right. over, yeah over here, it's all oak, though. We don't have poison ivy. It's geographical, like how ice cream means a different thing, depending on whether you're in a town or on the beach. <laughs> we also have stinging nettle here, which is real mean. We had nettles in Ireland. We'd use the, the dog leaves on them, to, which I'm not sure if that's a real thing or if you just said that to kids. So they'd shut up crying. Ray, rub this leaf on your leg. Interesting. It always seemed to grow close to the nettles. Huh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, I don't think we have that here. Here, you just, if you touch the stinging nettle, you just sting for a while. Well, at least we don't live in Australia. Yeah, <laughs> that place is the worst. Be within 50 miles of an anti-venom clinic at all times. It's like how in your when you're in Arizona, you have air conditioning all the time. In Australia, <laughs> I think they just never go outside. <laughs> right, yeah. Without an EpiPen. Right, yeah. That's the smart move. Uh, are we ready for another topic? Yes. Yes, I've never been more ready. So my topic is the developer of Abraham Lincoln Land has gone on to run a business selling shirts with vaporwave Abraham Lincoln's face on them. <laughs> so I've been tweeting intermittently about Abraham Lincoln Land, which is a indie game from 
it was never released, but the, the, the website for it was last updated in 2003. And this is a platformer in the vein of Super Mario Brothers 3 starring Abraham Lincoln. It's got a very like Nazis are resurrected and Abraham Lincoln is resurrected to fight them story to it. But Abraham Lincoln didn't fight Nazis. Well, he does now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, the Nazis are led by Jefferson Davis. Oh, oh fuck that guy. Uh, so it's like Abraham Lincoln fights Nazis in the cyberpunk future, which is a much cooler idea now that I say it out loud than the actual game is. I read a book once about Abraham Lincoln being a vampire hunter. I think it was called Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. There I think they made a movie. A movie. Yeah. yeah, I read the book before it became the movie. Oh, did you get a tattoo of it? And I, then after the movie came out, you were like, oh man, people will think this tattoo is about the movie. No, that happened to me with my uh, Jolly Roger tattoo, though. <laughs> I can't even find this game on the internet. How? How? Wh- where did you know about this game? Was it a Flash game? I found out about it uh, via... A Mario 3 editor called Mario Improvement 3. <laughs> I found out about this thing that I found out the developer of the editor was also making their own video game. Try searching for Lincoln Soft and then Abraham Lincoln Land. I have now found the website and it was nothing like I was expecting it. This is a, a very stripped back platformer, yeah. but with like a sort of a realistic figure of Abraham Lincoln without the hat. Was he, ever, was he the hat guy? He was the hat guy, right? He did wear a yeah, nice he had the, the, hat. The top hat and a full beard. Yes. Yeah. Um, we need to bring back beards for presidents. Yeah. I, I think so. I made a game about that. <laughs> you did. I forgot. It's called Beards <laughs> for Presidents. I shaved Obama's face. So I guess I, I, I made a game about taking the beard away. You did. Yeah. Yeah. But you can style the face any, any way you like. It's true. So, so this is a indie game in the vein of like early 2000s indie games where it's, this is back before the indie game renaissance when you had to be <laughs> a programmer to make video games and also when indie games weren't really a thing. So like every game was like one person being like, hmm, I'm going to make a video game, like a game that I used to like, and then they just do their best with programmer art. This is like the website of an open source project circa 2003, like before everything was on GitHub. <laughs> so there's like a, a readme that's like 60 pages long about how to how to get this game running on your DOS machine with all your different drivers. Yeah, this website has a sitemap, which I think is the canary in the coal mine for <laughs> if this was made in in an era before the websites we have now. Yeah. Also, the menu is in a table. This is some pure um, HTML where someone has just copied the code from page <laughs> to page and then <laughs> ch- had to change something in the menu and go through the 60 pages on their website for the spelling mistake. It's it's <laughs> It's a triumph. Yeah. And I remember being interested in this game uh, and I had some back and forth emails with the creator of it and I kind of fell off interest and I guess they did too because they haven't they never finished the game they had wanted to make this game have like 15 levels in every state so <laughs> their, their total plan was like 800 levels <laughs> of this game and they'd ended up designing like 50 of them starting small huh? of which like 10 were tested <laughs> oh no Typical um, feature creep. <laughs> right. Yeah. It was very, it was extremely ambitious in that respect. 
the first open world game to have all of America in it. <laughs> uh, and this guy, the reason his game was about Abraham Lincoln was that he just fucking loves Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, he's a badass. Because apparently, well, yeah. Because he has a side business selling, I don't know what his main business is, I think he just has a day job, but he has a side business selling shirts with Abraham Lincoln's face on them. It is critical that everyone know that there is absolutely no reference to this on the official Lincoln Soft website. Well, yeah, that, that website has not been updated since 2003. <laughs> so how did you find out that he now is selling Vaporwave oh, I searched, Lincoln t-shirts? I searched for his real name. Oh, Wow, you got a little internet stalkery. Yeah, yeah, I was doing, I was, went down a rabbit Did hole. A little deep dive. Yeah. It's impossible for me to find out his name because his email address is abeashlincolnsoft.com. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me try to track this down so I can paste it in the chat. Oh, I have found his name. Okay, okay, good. Am I just Googling his name and t-shirts? Sure. Oh my God, I have, I have found, I have, I have found them. Lincoln Apparel. Oh my god, I thought you were going to say that he is selling these, like, online. There is a picture of him at the Milwaukee Fair, Maker Fair, selling these shirts oh, at a booth. That's that's amazing. But I believe he's also selling them online. This is amazing. He's been doing this since 2009, Jim. Yeah. Yeah. How many do you own? I have not bought a single one, but Christmas is coming, <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, there's a shop. Wait, is this just a bunch of pictures of, oh, you can select options. LincolnApparel.com. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you can totally PayPal this guy money, and presumably he'll send you a shirt. Wow. he's Abe. Yeah. <laughs> they're pretty good. They're pretty stylish. Yeah. I think I like that one best. Young Mr. Lincoln t-shirt in pink. Like, if you're going to wear this shirt, you got to go full neon. <laughs> I think I think this is about as big as you can print an image on a shirt. I think you're right. There's a website, I think it's called Paint All Over Me, <laughs> where they will do screen printing on the fabric that they make the shirt out of, and then they'll make the shirt out of that fabric, so they can literally cover the entire surface of the shirt. Oh my god. But I think it's hard to, to design a shirt like that on purpose. I think it has to be like a, a texture rather than a... Like print. Yeah. This gentleman, he stuck to it. Yeah. His, his, the mission is still the mission. And the, the medium for the mission has changed with, you know, society. But he's still doing it, the damn thing. It's he's a, got a passion. Yeah. That's Abraham Lincoln. Mm -hmm. without, the, without the hat, crucially. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you have to get the hat out of a power block. You hit it from below and then... <laughs> should we do another topic? I think we should. So for this topic, we're going to be reading the poem I would like to describe by Zbigniew Herbert, maybe? Would you like to do the reading? Sure. This is one of my favorite poems, so it only makes sense that I should read it. I would like to describe the simplest emotion, joy or sadness, but not as others do, reaching for shafts of rain or sun. I would like to describe a light which is being born in me, but I know it does not resemble any star, for it is not so bright, not so pure, and is uncertain. I would like to describe courage without dragging behind me a dusty lion, and also anxiety without shaking a glass full of water. To put it another way, I would give all metaphors in return for one word drawn out of my breast like a rib, for one word contained within the boundaries of my skin." But apparently, this is not possible. 
And just to say I love, I run around like mad, picking up handfuls of birds, and my tenderness, which after all is not made of water, asks the water for a face, and anger, different from fire, borrows from it a loquacious tongue. So is blurred, so is blurred in me, what white-haired gentlemen separated once and for all, and said, this is the subject, and this is the object. We fall asleep with one hand under our head, and with the other in a mound of planets. Our feet abandon us and taste the earth with their tiny roots, which next morning we tear out painfully. It's pretty. A poem about description, which is what poems are often... I like the idea... I'm not a scholar of poetry. Me neither. But I do like the... I wouldn't dare use the word meta when referring to poetry, but... (laughs) (laughs) Well, now that meta means something else entirely. Yeah, well, that's true. There's something really special about poetry to me. Um, It's just so good at capturing those emotions that are hard to put to words. Yes. Because there's a lot of emotions out there that are like feelings that you have that you just like, you can't really describe. And sometimes I find those feelings in other people's poems. Yeah. And it's just this like fleeting moment of recognition that is often very centering for me. So yeah, maybe I do like this poem because it's kind of about what poems do for me. Mm. I like the idea that it's like the whole, you know, to be very reductive about it, but that whole schadenfreude thing where we are sort of, we we stand at the limits of our own language sometimes and we, we, mm-hmm. we perceive the world through those limits and poetry is so good at stretching beyond the limits of language and not defining things necessarily and certainly this poem seems to be kind of about that too about the the trouble with trying to find the simple word or the the obvious metaphor that doesn't perhaps describe the way you relate to that feeling or thought or emotion Mm -hmm. it is kind of like peering into the psyche of other people and like i wonder if that's the case but the, the poets that i remember loving as a as a kid are the ones that I could relate to. I feel like there's maybe a, a, an even better skill in coming to know other people through poetry in a way that you don't obviously relate to. I don't know. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful poem. It is beautiful. I've definitely thought more than one time in my life that I would like to get a part of this tattooed on me because I'm one of those weirdos that likes word tattoos, <laughs> even though I only have one. Um, <laughs> but I'm always like, which part? I think the end is really the the most. The one where they're really stretching and trying to create new metaphors for something. Mm -hmm. That's definitely my favorite. The last like three stanzas, starting with So is Blurred. Mm. You could get white-haired gentleman tattooed on yourself. Yeah, (laughs) fantastic. (laughs) That's definitely my favorite line in this poem. (laughs) Jim, Jim, how's your hair doing since, uh, you know, two years of quarantine? Uh, definitely grayer. Yeah, he's yeah. been getting pretty salt and peppery, especially in the beard. Yeah, yeah, I'll have the Santa beard before you know it. I was looking at photos from our wedding, and I was like, why does he does look so different now? And then I realized it was just because his beard is like almost completely gray in the like mutton chop area, and very uh, salt and peppery everywhere else. Yeah, I'm, I'm mostly salt up top at this stage. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I wonder... Like, so I think the problems with the metaphors being like being pierced in this poem, like I think that a lion is kind of a, a bad metaphor for courage. 
But it is a cliche metaphor. It is also a cliche metaphor, but I'm wondering if they like, by, by using the word dusty, that actually makes it clear that they mean it's, it's actually just an old word and that's the problem with it. Mm. And I wonder like, how important is it to a poet to be saying things in a new way, even if the old way is good enough? Mm. I mean, when I write poetry, I'm not necessarily trying to say something new. I'm just trying to uh, describe a, a moment or a, f- a feeling or a, a concept that, you know, is kind of unrelenting in my mind. Yeah. I think this person was thinking about words. Yeah. You know, and about creating like new ways to describe the same old things. Yeah. And they also pierce this old metaphor, describing anxiety as a shaking glass full of water, which I wonder if that's a Polish metaphor because I haven't, I don't think I've heard that one. Or maybe it's so out of. I get it. I think the idea of like. I get it, but. I would say that sounds like a novel way to describe anxiety, hmm. I like think to trembling. Trembling is a pretty normal way to describe. Right, but specifically using a glass of, like a shaking glass of oh, water. Oh, yeah. It is very pretty. Mm-hmm. A nice, pretty way of describing it. Maybe it's like how old names like Winston are coming back into fashion. Mm. People will start using trembling water to describe anxiety again. Well, all the people <laughs> that listen to this podcast will. Yeah. Exactly. I gotta make a trembling water emoji in the Discord. Yeah. People assume that's a, a Tyrannosaurus Rex approaching your Jeep. <laughs> that's right. That's the other thing in me. Yes. And that's that's <laughs> actually like if that's what tre- trembling glass of water used to mean anxiety. Now it means there's a T Rex approaching mm-hmm. specifically. Yes. That's been it's been obliterated by that idea. It's like how. Uh, Bruno no longer refers to uh, like a, an Italian mobster. <laughs> what does it refer to now? And now it's the the Sasha Baron Cohen character. Oh, uh-huh. I never watched that movie. Me either. And yet, in the pop culture, that's what it means now. Uh, I guess I'm out of the pop culture. And thank God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Danny, this doesn't have to be part of the podcast. But do you, are you interested in being? In, before I forget, are you invite interested in being in? Uh, in the Topic Lords Discord? Absolutely. I can't imagine the unbridled topics that roam free there. There's been some fun stuff on there recently about uh, dreams. Yeah. People t- people put in the announcements channel their dreams that they had the night before. Oh my goodness, really? Yeah, it's really great. Okay, I'm going to check that out. I am now part of the, the Discord. Thank you very much. Welcome. Yeah, you'll get to be a, a special color. Oh, yeah, yeah. Once I remember, the lords get to be purple. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, the most lordly of colors. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anyways, thanks for listening to my favorite poem. I like the the hand and a mound of planets imagery, even though I have no idea what it means. It's about, like, when you're sleeping, your mind kind of goes off into uh, unexplored regions of intellectual space. Okay. All right. That makes sense. That's what I. That's how I interpret it. I'm learning things. Yeah. Now I want a Mount of Planets tattoo. I know. I've thought about that too. We can get them together. His and hers Mound of Planet tattoos. <laughs> what does a mound of planet? Are they all piled on top of each other, like sort of discarded, or or like the chocolate, like mounds, like <laughs> but planets? <laughs> I don't think it means the chocolate mounds. Okay. Um, it's you know that's up to your interpretation, right? When I imagine that line in my mind's eye. You know how there's like sometimes in movies there's the imagery of like a person dangling their hand into like a river 
from like yes. the edge of a creek bed or whatever. So I'm seeing that, but their hand is in space instead, but it's just kind of a loose floating hand. And then there's just kind of planets all around in this like strange orbit. That's what I see in my mind's eye. But Jim doesn't have a mind's eye. No. Nope. It's all black in there. That's why he has to make things. That's why he's forced to manifest his ideas. It's true. Mm-hmm. Don't need to make music, though. That's, that's, I can hear that in my head loud and clear. And yet you make music. All I can hear is Princess Diana and Russian music. Oh, my God. <laughs> way to bring it back full circle, Danny. That was very well done. Uh, are we ready for another topic? Yeah. Please. Uh, Danny, your topic is Irish surnames as American girl names. Oh, yeah. This whole thing. I don't want to be a... <laughs> I don't want to be the the Irish guy in the room. Well, the, well too that's, bad that's you a problem are because I put this topic in the bucket so that you could be the Irish guy in the room. <laughs> well, we've both named children, and and you know it seems like these days uh, there's there's quite a lot of freedom when it comes to naming children, which is terrific. So I don't want to be the person complaining. So I'm going to try and make this sound as non-complaining as possible. But okay. as an Irish person and as a recent American citizen, got my citizenship last month. <gasps> Congratulations. Thank you kindly. Now watch me dunk all over people's names. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. I can do some dunking too. There's just this interesting, um, I don't know where it comes from. I have noticed that there's a lot of like Irish American, I presume, kids who have what would be surnames back home as their first names. And it's very, like, jarring to me. McGillicuddy. <laughs> like, like, a, like Kennedy or Quinn or... Okay, sure. Flynn or, like, a, like Fallon or Madigan or something. Uh, lots of ones with O's. Not, you don't get Dwyer's, but, like, Riley's, for instance. Like, things like that. Yeah. They take out the O. Yeah, because that would just be... Or the Mick. Ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's not many Micks or Max. So it's just Gillicuddy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No McFees. <laughs> I was wondering, was it like maybe started out or was something to do with a maiden name being lost or something? You know, like a way of retaining. I certainly heard about that. Right. But usually they will stick it as a middle name. But surname names are really popular in general in America right now. Oh, really? Yes. It's, I don't think it's just Irish names, but maybe the Irish ones are the nicer ones. That's why we're naming our next kid Storm Dancer. No, we are not. <laughs> and also, we're not having a next kid, necessarily. I feel like internet forums wouldn't like that if you started putting in doubles. Yeah. It already doesn't like my apostrophe, so. Oh, yeah. yeah they'll, they'll be like, hey, excuse me, you accidentally put your first name again. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of names like Riley and Harper and. Oh, yeah. Um, like. Gingrich. Uh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that are really popular with girls right now. Although, interestingly, I, I just read an article about this because I'm interested in like popular, you know, children names just mm. in general. Uh, eight out of the 10 top names of 2021 end in the letter A this year. Huh. So like Olivia is now the most popular name in the United States. Finally dethroning. Oh, crap. I forget the other one. Mary. No. Sophia. <laughs> Sophia oh, right. was the most popular name for like ever. Really? I think it was Sophia. But yeah, now Olivia is, which it's just like, whenever I see like a new baby named Olivia, I'm like, you know, that's like the most 
popular name in, in the country, right? Well, they just came to it independently as like yeah. their favorite name. Oh, yeah. The whole they, options. Yeah. And like Isabella is one of the most popular names. You know, I'm just going to look this up because I don't want to say wrong things. There's always the, the eternal worry that you're naming your child after some sort of cartoon character you don't know about yet. Yeah. Or, you know. <laughs> you got to do your research, right? Yeah. And then it's like you're worried forever that like I had, I had two friends growing up whose names uh, who were named Barry White. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. One of them just straight up went by a nickname for the rest of his life. Oh, no. Because like that's, you know. So I was wrong. Emma it was the number one name for forever. And Emma. now it's Olivia. Now Emma's number two. And then Amelia. And then Ava. And then Sophia. Then we've got Charlotte, which is the first one without an A ending. Right, yeah. That was very popular a couple of years back, too. I have a, I have a yeah. relative called Charlotte. Funny how, until you got to Sophia, the, the rest of those I would have thought were quite British. They're like English names. They are. Yeah. But they are... British names are apparently pretty popular. And then there's Isabella, which I don't think is British. Um, and then Mia, Luna, and then Harper is the 10th wow. most popular one. And Harper's definitely a surname. Yeah, but then you have Harper Lee, so... That's true. No, that was mm -hmm. a pseudonym, was it? No. No, that was her name. That was her name. I think that was her name. I'm thinking of George Eliot, who was uh, Mary Ann something. She wrote under a pseudonym because of chauvinism. Yeah, like Everly is a name that's pretty popular. It's in the top 50. Riley, there you go. Addison, those are all surnames. Who was the author you were talking about who published under a different name because of chauvinism? Who just now, a different one? It was a different author. It was uh, one of the authors of... Uh... Oh, um, James S.A. Corey is the writer of The Expanse, but James S.A. Corey is actually two authors. Um, one of which is Daniel Abraham, and he wrote a an urban fantasy series under a pseudonym, although he obviously just likes pseudonyms. <laughs> yeah, this was a more complicated story than I thought. And he wrote under a pseudonym because women authors tend to sell better in the urban fantasy industry. Oh, that's, yeah. that's crazy. So his pseudonym was actually MLN Hanover. So it's not necessarily female but it could be either the point being the chauvinism can go both ways and in fact i would guess that i think women read more books nowadays right so it might actually women certainly read more urban fantasy and yes. mysteries yeah is it alan smithy isn't that used to be the name that directors would put if they wanted yeah. to disown something <laughs> i think that's still a thing <laughs> <Is it? laughs> so it's not it's like the opposite of that there's also some male surnames, too, on the list, oh, like yeah? Mason and Asher. Those are both surnames, right? Mason, yeah. Mason certainly is. I think Asher is, too. I'm not sure. Stone Mason. Carter is definitely a surname. Hudson, I think, is a surname. Lincoln is a surname. <laughs> Apparently, Maverick is number 39 in boys, which I just think is really a funny name. That's to... a Top Gun name. It yeah, is, Yeah. <laughs> Is Goose in there too? No, Goose <laughs> is not in there, unfortunately. Ezra is number twenty-six, which I think is interesting. Grayson is also in the in the top seven. It's number seventeen. It's just Grace with another letter at the end. Really liked the name Grace, but they had a boy, and so they had to go with Grayson. Maybe they're Norwegian. <laughs> so it bothers you that you're finding Irish surnames uh, um, amongst the little girls uh, at the. Uh, the playground. No, it doesn't. It doesn't bother me. It's just that it, I think that it. It's strange to be 
to have a reaction that no one else is having. <laughs> you know, like like it's it's like my they live. It's like I'm, uh, you know, oh, sure. I'm like what? Like I, I when my my wife says someone's name, I'm like that's another one. There, like I keep running into these. <laughs> Is it every Irish surname? I, I, you know, I I'm somewhat flattered when it, it's nice to see you know those names around, especially if it's like a, an actual like Gaelic one or something like that. It's yeah, it's extra special. But now that you mention it, now that you've like given all these other examples, it feels like perhaps something that is just more normal but it was sticking out to me with irish ones hmm so thank you for that i like irish names in general i really like like the name brenna which i yeah. think is gaelic i like the name finian oh yeah is that a, is that a surname too yeah it comes there's a couple of different anglicized versions of it because a lot of our names either got translated into english or were sort of you know ireland's a very old country so there's a lot of like swimming languages in and out sure, of us, sure. you know um but yeah, Fionn would be the Irishist version of that, or Finn would have actually been before that. Our messianic figure in our mythology, Finn McCool, was, was oh was yeah, a, Finn McCool. Yeah, I read about a, him. Was a Finn. So yeah, there's a you get different sort of anglicized versions of some of those. They sort of creep out, and the same with Scots Gaelic. There's, and then it, Scots Gaelic and Irish is also you know there's plenty of crossover there as well. That makes sense. It's all over the shop. We're we're a, we're a real like <laughs> mangle of different uh, cultures over there: Normans and and Vikings and Celts and all manner of stuff. Are we ready for another topic? Sure. Yeah. April, your topic is words you misunderstood as a child and how that how that affected your life. I have one very specific example of this. Okay. So when I was a kid, there were these commercials on TV, like Smokey the Bear commercials. Do you know who Smokey the Bear is? This is the sort of, uh, uh, you know, don't start fires mascot, is it? Yes. Okay. Yes, exactly. And so his tagline for like as long as I could remember was only you can prevent forest fires. (laughs) And so this whole commercial is about like, be careful with fire, don't start fires. And then at the end, he would tell me to start fires (laughs) because I didn't know what the word prevent meant. Oh. <laughs> so I was always really confused by this messaging. And I remember like more than once trying to like ask my mom about this. And she probably was just distracted and was like not really understanding like my point. She was like, yeah, of course you don't want to start forest fires. You know, you want to be, we always want to put fires out when we go camping. And I was like, yeah, but then why is Smoke, Smokey the Bear telling me to start fires? <laughs> and it was just, it took like, I don't remember when I finally figured it out. But I do remember having that like, aha, holy crap moment where... One day I realized why I was so confused by those commercials as a as a kid. That's, so that's bizarre. That's like- it is bizarre. I mean, it's kind of a little bit of a you know prevent is you know like he could have said only you can like stop, stop. forest fires or I, that's interesting though, right? Because like presumably this went through. There must have been a reason why they went for prevent to stop. Stop perhaps implies that you have to be the firefighter once the fire starts. Yeah, the fire's yeah. already started. Yeah. No, you're right. Like, prevent is is the right word. It just happens to be that I just didn't understand what it meant. I didn't figure it out through context. Also, it's not just you who can prevent forest fires. Lots of people can do that. Right. Yes. 
each individual has their own responsibility to prevent or forest cause fires. forest fires. <laughs> yes, exactly. So do you, do you think there was another kid who watched those Smokey the Bear infomercials and thought that they in particular were the only person who could stop forest fire? Because that's a lot of responsibility for a child. <laughs> Oh, and they were boy. asking their mom about it, and their mom was like, "What? Well, of course you don't want to cause forest fires. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, did this happen to either of you? Did you guys like just not understand things? Also, I can think of one other thing. When I was a kid, sometimes my mom would say, whatever floats your boat, <laughs> like as just like a little saying, but whatever for whatever reason, I always misheard it as flips your boat. <laughs> and so I never understood that like little... What is that called? Uh, idiom. 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 Until I was like an adult. Whatever flips your boat. I mean, I, I can see that idiom also working because you wouldn't want to flip <laughs> someone's boat, but just not in the context perhaps yeah. she was using. Yeah. Yeah. The, the only version of this I can remember is from a movie, a, a Greek horror type movie called uh, Kain and Dottis, which I think is Dogtooth was released in. I think over here, it's kind of like funny games or one of those like weird European psychological horrors. And and in in it, a man has sort of convinced his two children that like they can never leave the house because some sort of horrible apocalypse has occurred outside of the house. And it's just a means of control, basically. But there's one scene where he where they're, they're all sitting down for dinner and he says, could you pass the mobile phone? And one of them passes like the butter. And they're like teenagers Whoa. at this stage. Yeah, and it's like, it's very understated. And it's just like, ooh, like this child was intentionally taught. I think it was because they didn't want kids to hear about mobile phones. So anytime the word was said that they just assume it was butter, maybe, I don't know, because if they got a phone, they might know that there was people. I have no idea, but and it stuck with me. That tiny little innocuous sort of reference has like stuck with me because it's it's like, the idea that oh yeah you could totally program your kids if 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 you had enough control you could program your kids to have like a lot of weird assumptions and how damaging would that be you know to because obviously you still remember this relatively innocuous misunderstanding so imagine if like there was something it was something more important or something that you connected with every day that you got wrong and then didn't know was wrong until a certain point i guess at this stage you you knew that it was strange because as a child, you recognized yeah. that Smokey the Bear was being really in- inconsistent. Uh, eventually, I did. Yeah. I think yeah. it took me a while to figure out that I didn't, you know, understand. Thankfully, I didn't I didn't start any fire, any yeah. wildfires, you know. <laughs> I've been trying to think of examples of this in my life. And all the examples that come to mind are examples where I just, not that I misunderstood something, but just that I didn't understand it at all. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a movie by the people who made airplane called Kentucky Fried Movie. And it's just just a sequence of skits. And one of the skits, the idea is that you go see a movie and feel around, meaning like while you're watching the movie, there's a attendant standing behind you who like has is wearing gloves and like touches you in the way that the character in the movie is being touched. (laughs) No, thank you. Do not want. And so like they show a movie where like there's a steamy uh, love scene and like this, the, the the usher is rubbing this guy's chest and grabbing his face, etc. And then that scene ends, and the announcer says, "Coming up next, Deep Throat." And <laughs> I didn't understand those last two words. Like I didn't even I didn't know which words they were. Even I was probably like eleven when I saw this movie. 
I didn't know what words he was saying, so I couldn't begin to put meaning to them. Mm -hmm. I remember asking my dad what the guy was saying, and he was... I've never, like, in my life seen him embarrassed about anything, but he wouldn't answer. He just kind of, like, shrugged and said, I don't know. That's amazing. Um, How old are you at this age, sorry? uh, Probably 11 or 12. Okay, yeah. Right in the window. That's... Yeah. God. I'm not looking forward to... I hate lie. I don't want to lie to my child about anything. Just about... You shouldn't, then. No. I I don't. The only one that where there's a little bit of... I don't want to say it on the podcast in case there are any children listening, but you know, the big one, the, uh-huh. the, the, you know, the, you know, it's that time of year, that whole thing. And, I, you know, to preserve the innocence or I don't know, like, I don't know. I, I'm so conflicted about the whole thing, but I do think if there was some sort of porno reference on television, I would plead the fifth or whatever. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, if you want to be more straightforward about it, you can tell them you don't want to talk about that. That's true. Yeah. Does that feel more deceptive to a child to be like, you know that I want to know, you seem to know, but you're not telling me for an ill-defined reason? It's certainly like, if you say you don't know, the kid might go away. But if you say that you're you're deliberately not telling them something, they're probably going to just keep prying (laughs) until you... So maybe that's an ineffective approach. Well, it depends on the kid, really. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Depends on the kid and depends on the way you say it. Yeah. And also just their mood at that moment. Don't bother me and pass the mobile phone. <laughs> yeah. Are we ready for another topic? Yeah, let's do another, to- another do topic. Uh, so my topic is Jordan Mechner calling E.Y. Harburg on the phone. Uh, this is a blog post that Jordan Mechner made in 2009. Oh, wow. That I'm pulling up right now. This is, this is like a Mad Lib. <laughs> and I will paraphrase. Oh, yeah, it's a little, story. It's a little too long to read to you, so I'll just paraphrase it. Uh, Jordan Mechner was seven years old. This was probably in the 70s. Oh, my God. And had transcribed The Wizard of Oz, his favorite movie, from memory on onto using a typewriter, transcribed it onto paper, but didn't understand some of the lyrics. So he saw that in the credits, the lyricist was E.Y. Harburg. So he looked up that name in the phone book, called the number, and uh, actually spoke to E.Y. Harburg personally. That's bizarre. I thought that, did Jordan Mechner and I for some reason I thought he grew up in France. Am I totally wrong? I think you're thinking of Eric Chahi, okay. who made Another World. Jordan Jordan Mechner made Prince of Persia. Yeah, no, I know. I, I Yip Harburg would have been in like Hollywood or somewhere. I want to finish the story first, but Sorry. it goes into the locations. The the discussion was this seven year old calling him on the phone. Asking, hi, did you write the lyrics to Wizard of Oz? And he said, yes, I did. Can you tell me the first line of the Cowardly Lion song? And then the guy recites the, the first few lines of the song to the kid and then asks a few more questions along those lines, thanks him and hangs up. <laughs> Which is the most amazing interaction, look at, looking at it from an adult perspective. And from the kid, it's just like, yeah, I, I wanted to, this information and I figured out a way to get it. And it just makes sense. You know, how do you contact somebody? You look them up in the phone book. At the time, uh, E.Y. Harburg had been blacklisted by Hollywood for being a communist. Right. So he was in Manhattan uh, doing Broadway plays. Uh, and so apparently that was uh, – he, apparently Jordan Mechner also had the 212 area code. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. That is so bizarre. What a, the purity. I love the fact that it sounds like at no stage did Jordan Mechner think that this was 
like a reach or unlikely or not particularly normal or like that a a behavior that an adult would do yeah the last line in the post is i don't think i even thought the call noteworthy enough to mention to my parents (laughs) oh my god (laughs) that's incredible so he just wanted he wanted he needed it's like the wikipedia you just look up the lyrics on the internet now but right who would know more and presumably he was able to just recite them like you probably would have known that yeah yeah that that is beautiful what a beautiful yeah there's something beautiful there's something about younger children talking to older people especially i'm I'm assuming your barber was relatively in i don't know how old he was then but uh you know there's it's like i love watching my kid talk to her grandparents because there's some sort of like the wisdom of the older person and the patience or something whereas like a you know middle-aged adults sometimes were a bit more running at a different pace or something. There's something really tender and beautiful about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. What a wild story. His book, he has a book about Prince of Persia, which is tremendous, but it's basically his like diary. Jordan oh, at Mechner's. the time, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating to read. And he's basically gone in and like contextualized his diary. So there's like written passages pointing towards the diary pages. He seems like one of these people who kind of remembers a lot of their early life or recorded a lot of it. Cause he all, all, right. all the video stuff, right. With his brother, I think it was who rec- he rotoscoped his brother jumping around on curbs outside their house or something for Prince of Persia. Yeah. Uh, John Romero is one that reminds me of this as well. He remembers everything. He just has one of those minds. Yeah. Yeah. I remember watching an interview with John Romero where he just starts listing like describing the memory layout of the apple two and like describing like all the all the different memory segments and like here's where you get keyboard input and here's this the memory map to the screen and he just remembers this stuff from his working with it in the 80s it's it's bizarre we did an interview with him in ireland years ago and i was asking him these questions that were like not necessarily the ones that he would generate for everyone for all those stories and he'd tell me these things but it was always specific like with dates and stuff and then when we were editing the video it was like oh no he didn't miss like this is all right like (laughs) some people just have a it's because it's amazing because like obviously he's a mechner is remembering something that happened to him when he was quite young yeah it's hard to know like if you if, if there's somebody who has like written detailed diaries it's hard to know whether they actually remember that well or if they just they know it because they wrote it down yeah they've told the story to themselves enough times right now i'm wondering if that interview i was talking about that i saw john romero do was one that you recorded because it totally might have been oh, i don't know perhaps i can't remember any of the things it's like trying to remember if you did a, a podcast or something it's just the brain too much stuff gets in it <laughs> Yeah, yeah. This Something's got to leak out. Yeah, right. This is what, the 114th episode of the show, something like that. And it's definitely, none of it's in my head. It's all gone. I have no idea what stories I've told on the show and what I haven't. Have you retopiced yet? Uh, that one, I think I've, I've been... I think you have. You know, there was one show where I had as a topic something that I had discussed in detail on the previous show but not as a topic (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's the one i'm thinking of yeah and what i ended up doing was because there was two new guests i i I figured i could get their reactions to it 
I, I gave them a summary of what I discussed the episode prior, and the, but I just when editing the show, I just sped it up like four times. <laughs> For those of you watching at home, yeah, my cat just bit me. Oh no, <laughs> she's she's like being a little gremlin. Yeah, this cat, at is, my feet. this cat is trying to get us to come to bed, so. <laughs> So uh, I think that's that's it for Topic Lords tonight. <laughs> the traditional ending of Topic Lords. Uh, cat gremlins. April, if yes. this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? People can follow me on Twitter if they want, at April Soar, A-P-R-I-L-S-A-U-R. Lately, just throwing up my play of the games on Overwatch on there. <laughs> that's basically all I'm doing on Twitter these days. Mostly what I'm doing on Twitter these days is retweeting the Topic Lords bot. Yeah. I'm also uh, occasionally retweeting cool art that I see. That's what Twitter should be for. Yeah. Beauty. Grace. Only Grace tweets. Mm-hmm. And, and Overwatch and, boobs. And Grace. And... <laughs> Overwatch boobs are a form of Grace. Yeah. Danny, do you play Overwatch? I played a lot of Overwatch the first year and then stopped. I haven't yeah. literally not played one game since, so I am overdue some Overwatching. Yeah, I, I kind of go through phases where I'm like really into it and then I stop for like a year and then I'm like, oh yeah, Overwatch. Yeah, that's a game. They're going to make that sequel, but it keeps getting pushed back. Yeah, I would like that sequel to happen. Mm. Although apparently a lot of people in the community don't want it. They just want more. Yeah, they want the same maps and characters to be placed in Overwatch 1. Yeah, they want Overwatch 1, but with new maps and new characters. This is what happens to all good online shooters. This is the Counter-Strike effect. You will yeah. you will have the Overwatch 1.6ers and the Overwatch Sorcerers. <laughs> and then <laughs> eventually Overwatch Global Offensive will come along. Uh, and Danny, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, if you type my very Irish name, Danny O'Dwyer, into the internet... There's a very good chance that you will hit me. You've got the Google juice. I do. I, apologies, by the way, to all of the other Daniel Dwyers out there. I was the chosen one, uh, and I hope I am representing the crew <laughs> well. <laughs> I yeah. think you are. I changed Thank my you. name just to get away from all the other Jim Crawfords. <laughs> that one Jim Stormdance is really pissed with you, though. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I must have Googled it first. Yeah, we did. We, we did. Okay, we did. okay. We're good. the only ones with this last name. Oh, good. Okay. There's That's like awesome. a book out there with a with someone with the last name. Voidwalker. No, it's Stormdancer. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thanks so much for being on. Uh, always a pleasure. Absolutely. That was nice to talk to you, Danny. Yeah, always a pleasure to talk to you too, April. Thank you very much. And thanks for keeping me entertained with this tremendous podcast. By the way, people, if you're listening to this podcast... And make sure you check out Topic Lords, where podcasts are sold. Thank you. (laughs) Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. This episode was edited by Esper Quinn, who can also edit your episode if you contact them on Twitter. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it, or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com. And you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early, and you get access to the Topic Lords Discord, where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode!